So with this theme of anxiety about impermanence and impermanence of anxiety, um, I think one of the things that that is, uh, um, and I addressed it a bit in terms of looking at at uh, you know both anxiety and impermanence, um, but that sense of approaching the uh, um, the physical experience. Um, uh, paying attention to how we feel it, where we feel it, grounding attention in the in the uh, uh, in the body. Um, so as a uh, a means of of anchoring awareness, but also giving some um, um, ability or confidence that we have a place to focus or direct attention Um, because one of the I think one of the things that that, uh, really spins us out with uh, say anxiety, worry um, is that uh, we don't have control the things we don't have control over um, just you know really you know, really spin us out. So that uh, being able to, and of course, when you don't have any control over it, then there's there's no resolution. Um, so it keeps on spinning. Um, so being able to direct attention to something that one does have control over. And uh, of course, one of the things we don't have much control over at all is our thoughts. Uh, so, you know, why bother directing attention there? Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, directing attention to our emotions, how we feel, um, it's pretty up and down. Body, okay, we've got some control over that in the sense, okay, I can sit here. I can bring attention to the body. I can feel uh, where my arm is. I can feel what my back is doing. I can feel so that that's that's a uh, an, an aspect that I think gives us a, a, a bit more confidence and, and a certain comfort because we do say we do seek comfort in um, uh, things that we can control. Until you realize it, we don't have much control over anything. <laughs> so, it's, uh, um, but then it's it, it, that that's a, that's actually uh, you know a really helpful insight because um, there's there's that, that 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 kind of wish, that hope, uh, that assumption uh, that uh, or that we really should be able to control. Um, you know, if we were if 
actually, you know, actually worthwhile human beings, we should be able to control everything. <laughs> it's no wonder we're so uh, uh, miserable all the time. <laughs> Because you know, there's assumptions. The assumptions don't accord with reality. Uh, so that that uh, uh, that ability to to uh, say, okay, what do I have control over, and then to direct our attention there and make it simple and, and make it fundamental, basic. So, okay, I can pay, pay attention. To, to the breath coming in, the breath going out. I can pay attention to my my posture. I can pay attention. I don't have to sit up straight. I don't have to uh, do anything dazzling or particularly special. But I can just be with this, and and that 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 is exercising a certain control that I think we can gain gain some confidence with. Um, The uh, uh, learning how to just be be uh, um, okay with the um, the inevitable uh, and to uh, um, not to uh, not to take it personally um, and the. Uh, I just remember one time we had to, one of our monks was was uh, one of the things that we do at the monastery. We sew all our robes you know, so that uh, uh, so you have to learn how to use a sewing machine, you know? and uh, uh, and of course you know sewing machines always uh, fall apart, go wonky, and you have to so you have to learn how to to maintain it and make sure that it's running properly and uh, I was in the days when when we didn't we were still all in the in the house we didn't have many facilities and hear this plaintive cry coming out from the next room I said, this machine has it in for me because <laughs> 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 that's how it feels <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it sort of its its sole function in life was to was to frustrate me, uh, <laughs> and you know so to 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 actually being able to 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 rather than taking that personally I and mean, picking it up and I was seeing that absurdity in that and the uh, um, you know things we had again sort of what we had. Um, we don't have any control over it. Sort of thing. Uh, you know, it's like the uh, you go to a, a Baigiri or Northern California, out, away from the coast, and it's going to be hot. And you know, it's not. You know, it feels like it's there just to personally torture me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to, to, after all these years of practice, to work up the case that it is really it's just out to get me. It's only hot because I'm there. Uh, if I, 
I'm sure it's cool at the monastery today because I'm not there. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, our mind goes in these ways, and we get you know either you know get upset or worried or fearful or uh, agitated, and and uh, you know it. it uh, so we have to be uh, alert to. Uh, the things that the uh, that the mind does, and, you know, where do I mean, it, it's it, it's suffering, but it's also, you know, looked at in another way. I mean, it, it's kind of absurd. Mm-hmm. The uh, the things we do to ourselves, just for the fun of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and. I think they, uh, and just learning how to accept, okay, this, this is, uh, it's like this. And so I'm saying that heat is like this. Doing a particular task is like this. Dealing with a certain person is like this. It's, it's, there, uh, it's like, oh, I told the uh, the community the other day, I've been, been, uh, been listening to uh, a bi- biography of a, a very senior monk in Thailand. And uh, for those who don't know the Thai forest tradition, sort of like the grandfather of the forest tradition is Ajahn Man, a great meditation master, a great uh, uh, meditative powers, wisdom, skills in teaching, uh, he was uh, Ajahn Chah's teacher. Uh, he also had a contemporary uh, uh, who was his original teacher. But then he went, Ajahn, his name was Ajahn Sao, a little bit older than him. And then, but after Ajahn Man was fully enlightened, he went back and taught his teacher Ajahn Sao, and Ajahn Sao became enlightened. Anyway, one of the things that Ajahn Man did was um, convinced his his uh, mother to come and uh, ordain as a nun, practice, live in the monastery, and. Uh, but uh, she'd never listened to him. <laughs> so he had to, he said, he had to ask Ajahn Sao to take his mother, <laughs> and and she, and and his mother really respected Ajahn Sao. So then that was a, it worked really well. But it was just like, you know, you know, enlightened master, and your your mother doesn't. You don't get along with your mother. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's always been like this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's this ability to sort of say, oh, yeah, it's like this. And so there's a source of, of dukkha, sort of Ajahn Man going off somewhere and pouting. And <laughs> I went through all those ascetic practices and my mind, she, she still doesn't know. <laughs> <It's just, laughs> 
<laughs> the absurdity of that is, is but sort of okay. That's okay. It's like this. Okay. But yeah, she really respects Ajahn Chah. Okay. And so that that uh, it works. So that that it's like uh, uh, the image that uh, uh, image simile that that Ajahn Chah uses, sort of in the sense of. of you know, try, expecting something that is impossible or, or trying to make something the way that you think it should be rather than, than the way it is. And as he said, it's like, that's like somebody going into the village in, say, like in northeast Thailand, very rural, very agrarian. Uh, and, and he said, you go into the village and, and you know, there's ducks and chickens around. And he said, that's like starting to... Why aren't the ducks more like the chickens? <laughs> you, know, the, you know, the chickens, they, make, you know, they can run really well, and you know, they, 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 they crow in the morning, and the, the ducks, they don't do anything. They, they can't walk very well. Why aren't, you know, they just quack all the time. You know, why aren't ducks more like chickens? <laughs> you know, <that's, laughs> you think, oh, that's really dumb. I mean, it's, it's just it's absurd. So that, you know, much of our, you know, why isn't the world like this? Why isn't that person like this? Why aren't I more like this? Why aren't, you know, why aren't ducks more like chickens? And it's just, duck's a duck, a chicken's a chicken. And that, <laughs> it's just, it's really clear. Uh, and then that, that's, uh, we're, we're not making a problem of existence, we're not making a problem of reality. We're not making a problem out of the inevitable. The world is like this. Human mind is like this. Uh, existence is like this. And sort of, and that's where you're making this clarity. And, and there's, we don't need to add anxiety or fear or worry or or just attachment to control it. It's just sort of. It's like this. It's a really simple uh, perspective that is really liberating, uh, and it takes practice. And so that that learning how to to practice, to train, to to encourage ourselves. So that that. Um, <coughs> Another image that Ajahn Chah used one time. He says, uh, "You know, we just you know, as practitioners, we just have to learn how to do the math." And he said, "Huh?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah, you have to learn how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. Because you know? sometimes all we do is keep adding." <laughs> And we forget to subtract. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're just multiplying things and we forget to divide. Or sometimes we divide when, you know, we're undermining something and we should be multiplying. You know, so that we have to learn how to do the math. <laughs> you know, what is it that's useful? Again, you're the, 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 uh, um, what you keep coming back to is what is it that helps the mind increase wholesome qualities, decrease the unwholesome qualities, increase the, the skillful qualities, decrease the, 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 the unskillful. 
yeah, sometimes you need to add, sometimes you need to need to subtract. And so that, that those are you know, skillful ways of working working with the mind. So that that learning learning these skills. Of course the the uh, uh, the those tools of uh, looking, investigating uh, impermanence, unsatisfactory, not self. These are the, um, the universal characteristics, uh, aspects of the the way things are, and there's an interesting teaching uh, where the Buddha points to say the fruits of insight into say into impermanence um, so that the the say the liberation of the heart or the freedom of, of mind that arises uh, is um, uh, you say in the scriptural language it's called uh, animita so animita vimoka so the liberation of signlessness so but what it is is in the sense that because one attends to the impermanent then the mind doesn't start grasping at the signs of things in the sense of um, you know something displays the sign of what is pleasing and delightful and but the mind doesn't grasp onto it because it's it has this signless liberation to to move towards or to absorb towards uh, uh, to delight in and so that that there's a uh, kind of a, a, a non entanglement in 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 the signs of how things present themselves so that sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, mental formations, mental thoughts, the, the, the sign of that, uh, feelings that we experience. It, has a, it presents itself. Uh, it has, a, it has a, an image or a, uh, uh, an impression. Uh, and we, don't, we can turn to the, to the recognition of its uncertainty, impermanence, instability, and then it can, it can, it's not that we don't see it, experience it, but it doesn't hold. Uh, we don't spin off with, spin off with it. And that, uh, so this, this quality of signlessness, and it's not signlessness in the sense of kind of space cadet, not aware, aware of anything. Uh, but it's sort of like uh, it isn't. It isn't grabbing the mind and pulling it down. The uh, the insight and 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 development of say of the the uh, investigation into into dukkha, um, unsatisfactoriness, disease. Um, stress, anxiety. Um, the, uh, 
is in this scriptural language what's called apanihita vimoka. The, the vimoka is like liberation. Uh, and apanihita is like, literally means desireless. Uh, so that there's a, a tent that uh, the mind doesn't get moved to that, that desire, craving, attachment mode. Um, because it's it's, a, it's it's sort of like it, it's seen the it's seen the pain in it it's seen the complication of it it's seen the uh, the the inability of it to really satisfy so there's a coolness there and it's a liberation it's not just sort of a shutting off it, but it's a it's sort of like oh I don't have to do that and it's a real relief a real release and so that 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 desireless is is a, is a is a real cooling, um, and then the the uh, uh, say the insight into the characteristic of anatta is is sunyata, and I, I spoke about that earlier. That's why it stimulated my my memory. Uh, so that that. Uh, there's a liberation of, of emptiness. Um, but then, as I was saying, it's not a, a metaphysical emptiness or, or a thing, a place. But it's a, it's a relational to that one is not... One is, there's like an insubstantiality to both the external and internal world. So that there's a uh, um, the mind isn't building identities out of it. It's not building building the world or building the self. It's just sort of, oh, it's like that. Uh, so there's a <clears throat> uh, so these are 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 liberations that are are accessible. Uh, and and it's that those contemplations of um, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, not self that, that are the the gateway, um, and and it's important to to again in a sense because sometimes um, the uh, uh, that uh, some of the sometimes the teachings are presented. Uh, in a way that you know, there's this constant refrain of anicca dukkanata, anicca dukkanata, and it's just is so boring. <laughs> in the sense that, wow, well, it doesn't really inspire the mind. Uh, but so it's important to see oh, where is it, what's it leading to, uh, and and then what does it rely on? What's its base? Um, so that. And this is where the the context of the path, like in the the uh, uh, say the path that the Buddha teaches, the path that the Buddha gives, um, saying right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Each aspect of the of the path. Uh, is actually a basis of happiness and well-being. I mean, you you practice the path, and there, that is its immediate result, and that and, and it's quite explicit 
um, that 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 what that's what one is uh, eliciting as one practices. Uh, it's like the um, the Buddha. There's a whole series of discourses where the Buddha speaks of the the uh, a natural progression uh, of the path, and sometimes he gives different entry points, whether it's faith or 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 dukkha or uh, investigation or virtue, and uh, uh, and but then it, it, there's these whole series of uh, with these very entry points and there's the arising of well-being with the arising of well-being there's the um, uh, causing condition for the arising of joy for the rising with the rising of joy it's a cause for condition for uh, rising of tranquility with tranquility as a base arising of of happiness with sukha uh, and then with the arising of happiness um, it's the condition for the arising of samadhi, concentration. And I don't know about anybody else, but I know for myself for years, it was my practice was sort of, sort of like, like when I get my samadhi together, when I get my meditation together, then I'm going to be happy. <laughs> and uh, that's sort of direct opposite of what the Buddha teaches get your happiness together then your meditation goes really well <laughs> as with that 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 say when the, the arising of samadhi uh, that's when one sees things clearly and knowledge and vision of the way things truly are and the uh, and it's with that that there's a uh, and that there's a sense of of dispassion and relinquishing. So it's like the it's the happiness that one cultivates and the well being that one cultivates that gives one the the uh, uh, the, the kind of motivation impetus uh, to relinquish. It's not that uh, oh, I've got to get rid of all my desires before I can meditate, or I've got to be uh, uh, I've really got to be, you know, super restrained in order to, to you know, just learning how to live in a, a skillful way that that really lays the foundation for for a, a happiness and well being that is is rooted in what's wholesome and skillful. Uh, and you find that, that the heart really settles, the mind becomes clear, and it becomes, then it's, it's, it's obvious what, what one needs to do. Uh, so just, it's sort of like, uh, you know, like, like duh, the no-brainer. Um, why do I keep, why do I keep suffering? It's a, it's it becomes much more clear, and we're hardwired to prefer happiness and well-being to suffering. It's just it's, it's just what we do, uh, which is fortunate because when we can really see it clearly, then that's what we will do. Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, uh, of course the tools that the Buddha gives us I mean I think are the most uh, uh, of course I'm biased though I think they're the absolute you know perfect tools for for really accomplishing uh, that that goal of happiness and well-being uh, Anyway, those are some thoughts for reflection. Maybe I'll open it up for a few more questions. See if I have some any more questions. Is this so? Yeah. Um, with, with great respect and listening carefully, I'm having a hard time. Um, I've looked at impermanence for a while, long time, really. But once I got older and turned 70, there are... I see, I see clearly that things that I would have grasped at and thought would make me happy will not. They all change or they pass and go away. And when you talk about, I know, I know I, I want control and you, and I see that that's not there. The older I get, I, I just fractured my back. So my body is not a place where I have control. Um, and I, I know that if I meditate and get out of my thoughts, I have less suffering. But I don't really have much happiness. I simply have less suffering. And I, I see and am close to many people who have meditated a lot longer than I have. And I, I don't mean to be judgmental, but I don't see them much happier than I am. And it's, it's discouraging. It really is. I, I just had one, one little thing... Well, I'd like to know what you think, but I did have one little moment today when I was doing the walking meditation and I got out of my head. I was just there. I just noticed that the breeze was beautiful and the light was beautiful and I felt I felt some joy. So I did say to myself, maybe one of the things of impermanence is to just be where I am in the moment. And if it happens to be joyful, to really experience that. Okay. Um, 
yeah, life sucks sometimes. <laughs> but the, uh, <clears throat> no, I think that the the uh, the sense of of coming back to the because impermanence isn't say because I was saying we have to use impermanence. It isn't just by uh, saying convincing ourselves of impermanence or everything, but there's also this the doorway into that non-grasping of how thing of that how things present themselves. So, and uh, and of course with with physical pain and particularly say. Spinal pain, but that's really oppressive. Uh, so that that's uh, uh, that's something that is uh, is a is a is a major obstacle in terms of of experience. So that one really has to pay attention to well, wh- how can I actually get some ease around this? Um, the you know, like sometimes. Just sitting with a a uh, 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 impediment like that is 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 really difficult. So that walking or standing or lying down uh, are ways of allevi- alleviating that on a physical level, but then giving some space to be able to reflect and investigate on the things that that we we that we actually can exercise some. Um, Control over, or we can relax around, or we can be alert to, and seeing these the that 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 the habit of mind of 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 that because um, it becomes very heavy when it's um, when it's my pain uh, and or my you know my aging body, um, which. <clears throat> You know, I was saying before, I mean, I'm 67, so um, I'm getting along there too, and and carrying around a, a body that's in in uh, not constant pain, but pretty consistent. Uh, they uh, and and so like that was like uh, that was one of the things that uh, when I was coming to America. Uh, the only thing that Ajahn Amaral asked me to do was make a special determinations and uh, requesting blessings from, uh, uh, say, senior monks to not uh, have major injuries and... <laughs> Because I had a reputation of, of, uh, um, I mean, this is as a monk living a pretty safe, exist life. You're like, uh, uh, this, you know, uh, and the thing that's come back to haunt me, uh, and I did. I was actually worked. I haven't actually been hospitalized in the states yet at all. <laughs> so it. Uh, but uh, yeah, fractured pelvis come back to haunt me. So that that uh, uh, that's, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Um, 
But it's also, you know, that sense of, yeah, well, a, yeah, bodies are like this. Um, and, you know, I definitely don't take my refuge as, as my body. Uh, or even, say, the, uh, say the mind of the, the intellect or the, the, uh, uh, kind of the, the, uh, certainly don't take refuge in my memory. As I remember, remember when when Ajahn Chah passed away. He uh, uh, one of the things that uh, happened was uh, we invited many uh, many teachers to come in and uh, and, and give teachings to uh, uh, to the community, the uh, monastic community, lay community, and um, one of the teachers who came uh, was. Uh, um, uh, he was considered the, at that time probably the foremost meditation master um, uh, of that era, uh, considered fully enlightened, and uh, and he uh, he got up on the dhamma seat. He was teaching to everybody. He was over eighty at the time, and uh, and about halfway through the talk, he sort of said. Wow, you people are really lucky," he said. "I'm over eighty now, and my memory's not very good. But what? You know, I keep forgetting where I am, so I have to start over. So you, you get your people are getting, you know, sometimes two, three, four dhamma talks out of me. <laughs> so, so it's sort of, you know, so yeah, then. There is a, a, you know, obviously we have to rely on our bodies. We have to rely on our minds. Um, but, you know, we can't take them as a refuge. Um, and, but there is a refuge in, in, the, in the perspective and how we hold it. And in this, um, I've mentioned it a few times, in this quality of knowing. And in that knowing, there's a place of peace where we can put down other things. It's not that we don't experience it, but we can we can relinquish it. We put it down. We don't have to carry things. And that's that's a that's a real blessing. Hi. Um you spoke a bit about attachment. Um, and I'm curious if you could speak a bit to what um, that looks like in intimate relationships, mm-hmm. um, whether romantically or deep friendships, um, because, you know, we're conditioned in so many ways to relate to such relationships with a certain level of grasping. Right, um, right. So I'm wondering if you can talk about what attachment looks like in relationship to loving uh, Well, I think part, part attachment is, is the expectation that that sort of the attachment that somebody's going to fulfill all your desires for you and make you happy and uh, uh, that's a scenario for disaster <laughs> especially in intimate relationship that's a, what was I meant and I and you know I've been a monk for over 40 years so I'm, I'm not the I, I may or may not be 
the uh, uh, the person to ask. <laughs> but the <laughs> the uh, uh, I remember somebody, uh, you know, uh, you know, reading somewhere where that that sense of you know. Uh, uh, you know, men go into relationships expecting the woman never to change. And women go into the relationships thinking that the men will change. <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult. <laughs> so... So, but to, to actually recognize, you know, what, what, what an expectation am I placing on somebody else to fulfill me? So that's, that, that, that's where that relinquishing of attachment uh, is, is, is essential in the sense of... Because that's where we're going to end up creating either conflict or sorrow in different ways. Uh, and, and, uh, and then that... that frees up an opportunity for because uh, certainly in terms of, of in terms of uh, attachment uh, uh, the, uh, in the sense of, of you know one forms a bond of care and love that one is really uh, faithful to and has an integrity with, you know, that's really important for a, a successful relationship or for a long, ongoing relationship. Uh, so those bonds of of integrity and care and 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 empathy, uh, those are those are essential for for uh, for a successful relationship. So that that. Uh, um, but then to pay attention to where, where you know, where that attachment of, of what I want or how I think it should be, or trying to make a duck into a chicken. <laughs> okay, there's a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Let's see where the uh, where the microphone lands. This one. Um, would you talk about how you use the word refuge? In colloquial English, the only way that comes up is as refugees, which as people from economic disaster or war. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then apparently it's a common word in your circle, so I'd like you to talk about it. Yeah, that's a... Uh, um Say Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha are called refuges, and I think, uh, say, a, a refuge in terms of a place of safety, a place of trust, um, a a place of of um, maybe stability, or or uh, where there is a a uh, uh, this aspect of of, of refuge and uh, is, uh, but it's also where you know the the nature of the mind is that we take 
the mind takes refuge in what it thinks will give it pleasure, safety, security, and that's what we're drawn to. Uh, and so that's why it's important to make it a very conscious process of, okay, this, the, what, are we, what are we going to refuge in when we go to refuge to the Buddha? And I mean, you said there's a, the, this historical Buddha, but, but that's history. Um, but there's the qualities of the Buddha uh, that are universal qualities that we can, uh, the, the Buddha um, exemplifies, and we can begin to take that as a refuge for our heart. So this, this sense of, as I said, the, the, the traditional translation from, from the Thai, when they translate the word Buddha, say, one who knows, one who's awakened, one who's radiant. And those are the qualities that we want to take as a refuge for the heart. Or the, the say, Dhamma uh, is a, uh, I mean, there's the external teachings, but then there's the internal quality of, of truth. And what, what's true? What is actually true? What is actually accords with the way things truly are? And so that's what we want to be taking as refuge. And Sangha, in terms of uh, quality of, I mean, there's external Sangha, but it's also pointing to the internal qualities of, of goodness, of integrity, of virtue, uh, and, and one who, say, seeks truth. So those are qualities we, we can take as refuge. But you also say... Um, it's a mistake to take refuge in your body or your intellect mm-hmm. or your bank account or yeah. all the things that we normally look to mm-hmm. for safety. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think I mean, it's quite natural to, to be drawn to look for something that is, that is actually safe, secure, um, trustworthy. Um, the, uh, say the, 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 the monastery of Bayagiri, um, say Giri means mountain, so it's up in the mountains, up in the hills, but Abaya means, uh, say literally it means fearless, but it's also, uh, an epithet for, say, say a place of security, say, that which is secure, uh, a place where one goes and one doesn't feel fear, or shouldn't feel fear. Um, so that that's, that's one of the reasons why we named it. So like giving it a, a, a place of, of, of safety and security. Would you call it a refuge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> We're human beings living together. <laughs> and what would you call yourselves refugees? <laughs> yeah, we're absolutely refugees. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Whoops. Oh. Hello. Should I go? 
<laughs> I was wondering just if, um, to follow up on the duck chicken story, if from your own experience, you could describe a story of sort of skillful non-acceptance. So this idea that humans, um, you know, don't fly, but then someone decided that we could fly. Right. So, you know, I, I just wondered if I'm always trying to find this middle way. It seems easy for me to say, okay, this is what, how things are. She won't listen. Right. I can accept And then there's this other way where I can sort of try to change things, the other extreme. But there's some in between this middle way, you know, the serenity prayer. Like, I'd love an an example from your experience, maybe with your monastery or um, where you saw things could change, but you started accepting where things were. And then you strived in a way that was skillful, if if there's an example. Well, the life that describes the life of an abbot. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know lots. I don't really know how it should be. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> but it's rarely, and it's rarely the way I want it or how it should be according to my views and opinions and the perception of my ideal monastery. Uh, and that's actually one of the good things of, of uh, practicing. And, and it's like... Uh, uh, living in community, having this ongoing practice, you get sort of pounded in, into submission. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you have to accept, oh, this is the way it is. <laughs> but at the same time, do you also strive for growth? Or, or how, do you, how do you do oh, yeah, that yeah, in a healthy yeah. way? How, is well, I think that's, that's where you try to, to you know, you... you you inc- and oftentimes that's in a monastery. One of the things that we encourage each other. Um, that's it's a really skillful, like having really good spiritual friendships is something that lifts us all up, uh, and and because we see the good examples that 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 people 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 exhibit, and and how they live, and you know of course you can always dwell on their faults, but, you know, that doesn't, doesn't really uh, uh, uplift, them, uplift the mind. But you can really pay attention to their, uh, their, their good examples, their good qualities. And then it, it, it encourages us. So that's like a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a multi, it's doing the math and multiplying in this sense. Uh, so where, where it really it gives a tremendous support for everybody. Uh, thank you, Lumpa. I was wondering, what is the um, role of impermanence in karma as it's coming to fruition now? Um, well, I think part of that is is that uh, again the, the the way that, especially the way that Ajahn Chah holds it in the sense of unsure, uncertain, because uh, again we can get locked into ideas of of karma or ideas of um, I did this and it's going to turn out like that or this person did that and it's going to turn out like this and and just to be able to not a sure thing and uh, then it's then you've got some space around it uh, to 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 let it let it manifest however however it is Okay. You pass the mic back. 
I, um, ha, I guess my question is about like understanding when it's, it plays a little bit on your question of like when to accept things as they are mm-hmm. or when to say this is unacceptable. I mean, mm-hmm. or I don't want this in my life. Like I don't yeah. want to be continually chasing the dollar in the Bay area as prices go up and things get crazy here. It's like, I, yeah. you know, it's like I wake up and I'm like, this is not tolerable. I don't like it. And then there's the whole thing of causes and conditions. Well, should I just sit with it and be like, well, this is okay. But then there's something that just keeps rising up in me. Like, this is not the life I want. And so then I don't really know how to use, um, Buddhism skillfully because I feel a little oppressed by the, Oh, well, it's just causes and conditions because I should just really be happy with what I have. And so, so it's like, where do you go with that? Um, that's where you just have to trust your, trust your heart. And, and, uh, and, but one shouldn't be just falling back on Cause that's like falling back onto a kind of a doctrinal idealistic, um, you know, party line, which is, is really not, you really have to pay attention to what, what, what's, what's going to work for me, uh, which isn't just sort of me, but, uh, you know, in a sense of uh, obsessed with oneself. But it says, no, this has to work for me because I'm the one who is experiencing it. And then, you know, takes it, you take into account other people. Um, but, uh, um, you know, those decisions are, 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 we need to have some confidence in, in ourselves of saying, oh, this is really... Uh, I need a change, uh, or it's similar in like in a like in a monastery. So it isn't like you accept everybody. It's like no, you need to change. <laughs> uh, and so that 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 it, and that isn't necessarily unkind or uncompassionate, uh, because it affects ourselves and affects others. But you have to be really sort of that sense of, of clarity of okay, what are the values? What are the what's the goal? How to get there? Thank you. You got it. <laughs> thank you for thank you for being here, teaching us today. Um, my question is. Being that we have little or no control over most thoughts and emotions, how are we to understand um, the instructions to discipline our body, speech, and mind? Where do, we, where do we put our hopes in that we can accomplish that if we have yeah. so little control? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, the, uh, again, there's that uh, sense of, okay no control, but then, yeah, the injunction is to discipline body, speech, and mind, train uh, in in the Eightfold Path. Uh, and, uh, but I think also one of the, um, um, like the, the, um, um, say the path is in, in the, uh, it's called the three trainings. 
sort of virtue, meditation, wisdom. But another way of, of um, um, say, uh, translating that word, um, but I think in, in, the, in the Sanskrit, it would be shuksa, and, and say in Pali sikha, so trisikha, uh, it's a, it is, is that it's also a learning. So training is also a learning and education. So that that's part of the, this, qual, this fundamental quality of knowing, as when you know something, you're also learning about it. When you learn about it, you can understand it more clearly, and then you can act on that. And so then that is, that is what feeds the process of, of the, say, the, the training, the discipline uh, uh, in, in our body, speech, and mind. And since we learn what, what actually works and doesn't work, what's helpful, what's not helpful. Uh, so that learning through our actions of body, speech, and mind, uh, then we, we, we incline more consistently to, to that which has a, a, a beneficial effect on ourselves and others. And that's your, and that's that's wisdom, yeah. That uh, which is another. Uh, people are getting a poly lesson lessons today, but they, the the word that's normally translated as as wisdom, um, another re- very valid translation is discernment, and and that's a really important distinction, because. I mean, one in in the Pali language is it's derived from uh, the verb pajanati, which is so makes it a gerund. So gerunds are are nouns that are based on verbs. So there's an implicit action involved, and wisdom tends to elicit a feeling of it being static. Uh, it's a thing. It's sort of you know, it's just sort of there. Whereas discernment is something you engage in. And I think that's more the feeling that the, what the Buddha wanted us to do. Because uh, the verb pajanati is, is to, to the, verb, the verb to understand. And so that, that, that sense of engaging in that process of understanding, discerning, seeing clearly. <laughs> okay, why don't we have a Time to finish the day in silent meditation. Come back to our bodies. Come back to our breaths. Had a lot to uh, reflect on. A lot of great discussion. Good questions. Uh, to bring all of that into the heart. And that's one of the qualities, say, in, uh, in our Buddhist um, chanting or the, that we do on a daily basis, recitation of the qualities of the, of the Dhamma of the Buddhist teachings. Uh, it's their um, what is open aiko, which means leading inwards. 
to be able to draw these teachings into the heart, to be able to draw our experience into the heart and, and to feel it, experience it, be attentive to it, be alert to, to the reactions, responses we have, uh, and then seeing how can we transform this? How can we present, be present with this? How can we understand it? That's our, um, and it's in a, in the context of, of our mindfulness, awareness, attentiveness, alertness. Say, as opposed to figuring it out intellectually, it's allowing that teaching to be drawn inwards, to draw into the heart as we sit here attentive to the experience of the the breath allow that awareness to settle in the heart experiencing the body Allowing that awareness to settle in the heart. That sense of yeah, bringing it all back home. So you can sit quietly for a while. 